is AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. What is going on, guys? Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is your Monday Night Raw post-show for August 8th, 2022. I am JD from New York, as always. Coming to you from the OTS Beer Garden. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Monday evenings, wherever you may be. Triple H, man. Stories. Stories change. I keep telling you guys, man, you, you don't listen when I speak. Half of you don't listen when I speak. It's not going to be a drastic change overnight. I see some people on social media, oh, Raw was bad. Raw was not a good show this week. It wasn't as good as last week, man. I'm sorry, I thought this week was an upgrade over last week. At least we had a fucking crowd that actually knew how to make noise. And we got stories. And we're going to need patience. If this is going to turn into a fucking, you know, teacher and student dynamic every week, I'm going to have to ask you to get the fuck out of here, man, really. I mean, how much babying do I need to do? What was so bad about this week's show compared to last week? It was basically the same fucking show. The little things that Triple H is doing are adding up slowly but surely. Did you guys see the United States Championship match and the focus on the United States Championship? The United States Championship felt like the fucking world title tonight. That's what you need. That's the change that you're going to be seeing. That is something that you did not get in the Vince McMahon-Bruce Pritchard era. What more do you want? That's as big as of a change of anything as anything that I've seen on WWE television. Championships being leveled up and raised, the prestige of the titles being raised. The fuck do you want? I don't really understand your gripe. Champ and Lashley had a great match. We got stories happening on the show with Champa and Miz. What's going to happen there? We got Styles and Miz. We got Styles and whatever the hell happened at the end of the show. We got the women's tag team tournament and all the questions about Sasha Banks and Naomi and where they're going to fit into this thing. We got Dominic Mysterio and Rey Mysterio. For the first time, I see an actual attitude and fucking emotion from Dominic Mysterio. Shoving Edge tonight. Is he going to join Judgment Day or is he going to side with his father and side with Edge? I don't really understand the unenthusiastic fucking tone of tonight's show. I thought tonight's show was great. I really did. I don't know what the fuck you want. You know, it's very, it's humorous to me, man. It's humorous to me. You know, people saying this show was bad. What happened to three weeks ago? Did you guys watch the last Monday Night Raw that was spearheaded by Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard? If tonight's show was bad, what the fuck was that? 
I don't want to hear the term bad again. If Triple H does something bad, I'll let you know. I don't see Triple H coming in here and fucking wiping the slate clean on night one, on night two. Let the guy get his hands dirty first. He's setting the roster up for what is to come. You're not going to see overwhelming change. This isn't going to turn into fucking takeover New York overnight. Give me a break with this fucking attitude. It's ridiculous. Everybody that's saying it was a bad show, you are the people that Vince McMahon had brainwashed and manipulated. It's okay. You'll get there. You'll join the rest of us that never left the island of fucking patience. You'll join us eventually on the island of, hey, storytelling. Hey, in-ring action. Hey, pro wrestling. Hey, fuck sports entertainment. You'll get there. But I'm going to need you to speed up the fucking process. Monday Night Raw was direct and there were statements made on tonight's show. Stories were told. And we got a debut of Dexter Loomis. Not really much happened with Dexter himself. Oh, but who is Dexter Loomis? I'm going to tell you who the fuck Dexter Loomis is. In just a second. But Dexter Loomis debuted. We didn't see much of Dexter Loomis on tonight's show. And there were stories planted in Monday Night Raw that for the first time, and Jesse could even attest to this, he's excited just as much as I am. I don't believe we're saying this in 2022, but we're actually looking forward to next week's Monday Night Raw. It's crazy. Never in my wildest dreams would those words, I think, would come out of my mouth. It's ridiculous. It's a great thing. It's a beautiful thing. Change. Change. Now, tonight's show, there was one, there was one big theme of tonight's show, and it all started with a Kevin Owens promo. Kevin Patrick interviewed Kevin Owens after he destroyed Ezekiel. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But Kevin Owens was interviewed, and all everybody was fixated on was what was happening in the background. Now, I don't have a picture of it, but you guys know what I'm talking about. There was an interview with Kevin Owens and Kevin Patrick, and in the background we saw Nikki... (laughs) What's her name? What's her name? Ash Trash. T-R-I-S-H. Nikki Trash and Doe Drop. They were standing about in the distance back uh, in the background, and there was a vehicle. There was a blacked, unmarked, unnamed vehicle that was crashed into a fucking pole in the back. You see the smoke from the hood of the vehicle, you know, raising into the air. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? At first, I didn't even know what the hell was going on. I was I was fixated on Kevin Owens. Everybody else was texting me, JD, JD, did you see this car crash? I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I had to go back on social media and look at what actually was going on. I'm like, oh, there it is. There's this supposed car crash. Everybody's joking around. Did Nikki crash the car? Did Joe Drop crash the car? Everybody was blaming them. Nobody knew what the fuck was going on. So all of a sudden, we got that. Nobody thinks anything of it after that segment is over. Everybody's thinking it's a legit car crash. Nobody knows what the fuck is going on. So later in the show, we get Asuka and Alexa Bliss interviewed in the same backstage area. 
And then this time, the car is still there. But this time, the car is being towed away. It's being lifted on the back of a tow truck. But Asuka and Alexa Bliss are being interviewed about their match with Dodrop and Nikki... Uh, wait, uh, what's her name? I forgot her name. Trash. Nikki Trash. You know, they're, they're being interviewed about the, their match next week for the Women's Tag Team Title Tournament. So all of a sudden, we see Bailey and Dakota Kai and EO Sky. They come over and they start making fun of Asuka and Alexa Bliss. All of a sudden, their attention is diverted to somewhere else. They walk away. And we see these security guards just running. There was like three or four of them running where Bailey, Io Shirai, and, and Dakota Kai were going. We see AJ Styles walking by the security guards. He doesn't know what the fuck is going on. He's just getting ready for his match with The Miz. So nobody asked any questions. This was not brought up on commentary by the announce team. Fans were watching at home. They were wondering what had happened with this incident. Then we get the main event with AJ Styles and The Miz in a no-DQ match. Styles gets the win. He celebrates his win. His theme music is playing. And then in the distance, he's staring and peering out over one of the turnbuckles that looks out into the crowd. And there's a bunch of security guards. I'm assuming the same security guards that were running by AJ Styles in the back before this match actually took place. And they're all on the floor. They're scrambling with somebody on the floor. AJ didn't know what was going on. He stopped. He was looking. He was pointing. All of a sudden, they were detaining somebody. And Corey Graves on commentary said, it "Is and in a low voice, is, is that Dex, De- Dexter Loomis? Dexter Loomis is in the crowd. He's wearing a black hoodie. He's eyeing AJ Styles. They handcuffed him. They walked him away. They carried him away. Now, nobody knows if Loomis's appearance and the car crash are related. I'm assuming that this long three-hour storyline is all connecting of the dots to Dexter Loomis and this appearance at the end of the show. I don't think anybody legitimately crashed their fucking car when they were already in the building. I I can't foresee something like that really happening backstage. So... Dexter Loomis, more than likely, is going to be associated with this car crash and the security guards, and then he got detained, and then he got handcuffed and walked out of the building. This is great. And if you guys know anything about Dexter Loomis, Dexter Loomis goes back to the old black and gold. Dexter Loomis goes back to Full Sail University. I'm talking about knee-deep NXT black and gold. He competed in the first ever breakout tournament for the men. And I had this this fixation on the character of Dexter Loomis since the first day I saw him. He broke out in that tournament. It was him. It was uh, Jonah Bronson Reed. It was uh, a bunch of guys in that tournament. Angel Garza was in that tournament. That was a great fucking tournament. And Dexter Loomis was in there. Cameron Grimes was in there. Um, uh, What's his name? ACH was in there. Jordan, Jordan, whatever the fuck his name was, uh, he was in there. There was a bunch of real great talent. ACH actually won that tournament and got a world championship match against Adam Cole, which was also great. But Dexter Loomis really stood out to me, even though he lost in that tournament. He really stood out to me. He's got this, and if you guys, coincidentally, his name is Dexter. If you guys watch the show, Dexter, he is a creepy, psychotic, fucking serial killer-like gimmick. And he doesn't speak, 
and he uses a lot of his, you know, animations and drawings to get across what he wants to say. He's a creepy motherfucker. And he really was a great get for NXT. And they fucked him over. They didn't really know what to do with him. Before he even got his feet wet with the serial killer gimmick, they changed him and his gimmick to more of a, uh, I would say, I don't want to say baby face. They tried to give him some sort of fucking life. They tried to really get him out of that bubble for whatever reason. And they made him into somewhat of a comedy character. Johnny Gargano, Indy Hartwell, Candice LeRae, and Dexter Loomis, at the end of all of that, were known as The Way on NXT. And Dexter Loomis really brought out his character in The Way. I didn't really like it. I didn't dig it. I preferred the old Dexter Loomis because I didn't think they really went anywhere with it. And then he got married to Indy Hartwell, and then Bruce Prichard and Vince McMahon took over, and then, you know, shit just completely went down south, and it was just a fucking comedy mess. And it was not like Dexter Loomis anymore. Before long, Dexter Loomis wasn't even on the show anymore, and then he got fired. Dexter Loomis got fired because he was a Triple H guy. Dexter Loomis got fired because he is 37, 38 years old. He looks incredible for his age. He's not even, you know, I'm tired of this fucking 37, 38-year-old bullshit. Oh, yeah, you're old. You fucking serious. 37, 38 years old, there's no money to make? On somebody like Dexter Loomis, I swear on everybody in the chat, when you watch Dexter Loomis wrestle, you're going to fall in love with Dexter Loomis. Dexter Loomis reminds you he's got little inklings of Randy Orton in there. He's got little inklings of The Undertaker in his in his moveset. He's very good. He's actually very, very good. And he's going to be a great addition to Monday Night Raw. I always was hoping for him to make the transition to the main roster. But this is a day and age where we're living in with Triple H in charge of the main roster right now, where we don't have to worry about this type of thing. If Dexter Loomis was brought up fucking four or five weeks ago and he was on the main roster, this guy would be Akira Tozawa chasing the 24-7 title. He'd be a glorified jobber to the stars. We don't have to worry about that anymore. Dexter Loomis is going to be very well off. He's going to be taken care of on the main roster. And this gets me excited. It really does. He's a very good pro wrestler. It is unlike anything you're going to see on the main roster as far as the character is concerned. And he plays it so fucking good that he was never given an opportunity to really sink his teeth into a major storyline. A really serious storyline. He always got put into bullshit with the way and the wedding with Indy Hartwell. And he was feuding with Carmelo Hayes and they had him fucking do this, this Halloween shit. This creepy haunted house bullshit. He was stalking with zombies and all this other. So stupid. So stupid. You're going to love what you get with Dexter Loomis. You're not going to hear him speak because that's the whole thing about his character. He's a fucking serial killer. He's a psychopathic fucking maniac. He does it so well that he just lets his actions speak instead of actually speaking words. So the fact of the matter is that we heard the report earlier in the day about Dexter Loomis showing up in WWE. There was a fightful, there was a fightful report about Dexter Loomis coming back to the WWE. It was Johnny Gargano and Dexter Loomis. Fightful reported today that Dexter Loomis was one of the names the higher-ups were talking about, about reaching out and having him come back. This was mentioned last week. And all of a sudden we see him just like Cross. Just like Karrion Cross, 
came about within the last seven days. And now he's back on Monday night. Cross is back on Friday night. We don't know. Everybody's expecting Johnny Gargano in Cleveland tonight. He didn't show up tonight. I know he's in the thumbnail right now. I got to change that. But Johnny Gargano did not show up. I am absolutely positive Johnny Gargano is going to show up. When that is, I don't know. Johnny Gargano today on Twitter promised us that he will be showing up with Candice LeRae, and you will know. And they are both showing up in WWE. There's no reason for them to go to AEW. There's no reason for them to go anywhere else. Papa H is the one that they did not want to leave. And they waited it out, and they look like fucking two masterminds. Now they're going to go back and get everything that they wanted. And a bigger payday. It's great. But Dexter Loomis was one of the names, along with Johnny Gargano and Karrion Cross, on that list of people, Dakota Kai, that Triple H wanted to bring back into the company. And we got a three-hour-long that you didn't even know. We got a three-hour-long storyline that people thought was legit. People were thinking the car crash was real. I got I to gotta give a kudos and a shout-out to everybody, man. They really made it seem like it was fucking genuine. You got Nikki Ash there. You got Doe Drop sitting there, right? Nobody really even acknowledged it. Nobody even fucking looked at it. Kevin Owens didn't acknowledge it. Kevin Patrick didn't acknowledge it. They just let it be in the background. Alexa Bliss and Oscar didn't say anything about it. Bailey, Io Shirai, and Dakota Kai didn't mention anything about it. What a fucking brilliant move. Dexter Loomis eyeing AJ Styles for whatever fucking reason that he has, targeting him as his first victim is a brilliant debut for Dexter Loomis. And this is the type of shit that you're going to get with Triple H. And this is why I ask you guys to be patient. A lot of people, oh, this show sucked. Oh, this show, this, this wasn't a good show tonight. That's because you're not used to Triple H doing this type of shit. You're used to not getting anything at all. You're used to being disappointed and then you come here and you sit here and you watch me and you want me to be negative. There's nothing to be negative about. It wasn't a perfect show. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it was the best show of the fucking year. But change is happening. And we're going to go over all of that tonight on the show. Bobby Lashley and Tommaso Ciampa. United States Championship match. Tommaso Ciampa, he honored Harley Race tonight. And he dedicated the match to Harley Race, who I believe trained Tommaso Ciampa. So that was a great match. United States Championship was put into the spotlight tonight. They really made it feel important. They played that video package again. They gave Tommaso Ciampa the Harley Race gear and the colors of Harley Race. Bobby Lashley looked like a fucking beast. That was probably the best Bobby Lashley match of the entire calendar year with Tommaso Ciampa tonight. And in there is a storyline waiting to just split The Miz and Tommaso Ciampa away. And I can't wait for that to happen. That's the bigger storyline. Not Tommaso Ciampa winning the United States Championship. There was no reason why he should have won the United States Championship. I'm not upset he didn't win the United States Championship. Tommaso Ciampa looked great in defeat. He looked like psycho killer Tommaso Ciampa. He looked like the NXT champion. I was actually watching this. I'm like, holy shit, that looked like the same fucking Tommaso Ciampa that would do anything to retain that NXT championship. That's the Tommaso Ciampa we got, and that's the Tommaso Ciampa you're going to get. 
People were really buying into the last five minutes of that match, and it was great. So we'll go over what I thought about that. Then we got Edge, Dominic, and Rey Mysterio. I don't know what's going on. Dominic looks to be a little bit more angry this week. He continues to get beat down by Rhea Ripley. That could be looked at as a good thing or a bad thing, depending on who you are. And I'm actually intrigued about what they are doing. I don't believe I'm saying this because I was completely on the fence about fucking Judgment Day three weeks ago, four weeks ago. I'm actually intrigued about what's going on with Dominic Mysterio. And Finn Balor and Damian Priest, tonight was the one night out of all the weeks they've been aligned with Judgment Day. Tonight was the best that they have looked since they have joined Judgment Day. Change is happening, folks. You're going to need to be patient. You're not going to get instant gratification. You're going to go on a journey, and you're going to be on this journey, and you're going to get proper payoffs, and you're going to get character development, and you're going to get introductions for characters that lead into next week and the week after that and the week after that. You're not going to sit here with a fucking show asking yourself, what happened? Why did I waste three hours of my time? What was so great about tonight's show? There's nothing important that happened on tonight's show. Not anymore. You need to be given a reason to watch Monday Night Raw. You need to care about what's going to happen going into the next week. That's what Triple H is doing. And if you're not on board with that, I don't really know what the fuck you're doing here. Really. This is all we ask for. I'm used to this shit. I've seen Triple H do this for eight years in NXT with black and gold. Everybody that watched Triple H operate the black and gold knows exactly what this man is doing. Maybe you guys didn't watch black and gold. Your loss. I know what I saw, and I'm seeing Triple H take what made NXT black and gold fucking great and apply it to the main roster, and you're going to start to see that more and more and more and more week after week after week after week. And that, to me, is fucking change. Change that is desperately needed. We're going to go over tonight's show, guys. I appreciate you stopping by tonight, as always, to hang out with me here in the OTS venue. Awesome stuff tonight. It was an awesome week. Awesome, awesome week, man. We're almost at 136,000 subscribers on YouTube. We're about uh, 350 away. I'd love to fucking make a dent into that tonight. TikTok is rocking and rolling. We're almost at 6,100 followers. That's only after about three and a half weeks. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. I mean, we'll be at 10,000 followers on TikTok in about, I'd say, four weeks, hopefully, before the summer is over. Make sure you guys follow me on social media, man. At JD from NY206 on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Links are down below in the description. Also, hit that subscribe button, like I said. Turn on the bell for notifications. And make sure you guys hit that join button. Become VIPs tonight on the podcast. Become a channel member. We go VIP only on Sundays for the flagship podcast. We'll be back at it this coming Sunday with episode 440. We had 18 new members last night, man. That is unbelievable. Get your super chats in. We're going to hang out at the end of the show. You guys let me know what you thought of Monday Night Raw. You can ask me anything you want. Ask me anything about uh, the upcoming news and rumors that we got this week. And 
AEW Dynamite, what you're excited about for Wednesday's show, which I'm feeling a CM Punk return or a Kenny Omega return on Wednesday. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But get those super chats in and we'll hang out at the end of the show with our cold beverages. Make sure you guys go check out all the other content on the channel. Plenty of it all on the homepage. So if you guys want more OTS, it is there. Bonfire.com, the exclusive home of Off the Script and the OTS shop. Get your t-shirts and mugs all available on Bonfire.com. And tonight's show is sponsored by Blue Chew. BlueChew.com, code JD at checkout. You guys are going to get your free sample. All you have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. That is BlueChew.com, code JD. And I want to thank them as always for being a great friend and a great sponsor of the podcast right here on OTS. Let's start at the top, man. We started off with the new group put together by Bailey. Control. Don't know if that is the official name, but that is what they are building the group around. Control. Doing it their way. So, Bailey's in the ring. And it's nice to see Bailey back on television, man. She's such an important part of this women's division. It's great to see Bailey back. We missed her dearly. And Bailey said they're all happy to see their dumb, smiley little faces. The fans booed. She said she doesn't want to be there. Now, if this was Vince McMahon, I'd probably be uttering the same thing. But uh, tonight, I'm not saying that. So Bailey didn't want to be there. But she knows that they need her. That's a shoot, folks. That's a shoot. She said they are there to salvage this uninspired division. Again, a shoot. Your role model had to do something. Kai said they showed up at SummerSlam and shook everyone up. She said the fans can't seriously say they enjoyed Becky Lynch play dress-up every week or enjoyed cheering Bianca Belair. Bailey yelled that Becky would be nothing without her. She said that's why they took action. She said they went after Becky's shoulder and brought out the fighting spirit in Belair. She said the fans deserve a women's division that is starving and hungry for more. She said the fans have been lost without her. She asked how she is the only person who recognized what a lethal weapon. This is, again, a shoot. There's so many fucking shoots in this promo. It's not even funny. She asked how she is the only person who recognized what a lethal weapon EO Sky is or the benefits of bringing in someone like Dakota Sky. This was clearly a botch on Bailey's behalf. She called Dakota Kai, Dakota Sky, because Kai and Sky match. This is what happens when you change EO Shirai and change her name to EO Sky. Yes, they are very similar in the way that they roll off the tongue. So Bailey did flub here a little bit. That was an obvious botch via the promo. But nobody really got, I guess a lot of people got on her case about it, but she, she manned the ship beautifully. That's what Bailey does, man. She's very good. Fans reacted. Bailey said, Dakota Kai, I know I said the wrong name, you dummies. You people need to shut up so I can think. She began to melt down, so Sky told her to calm down, and she kind of went, went into this breakdown. Sky told Bailey to breathe and said she doesn't owe them anything else. 
And she was interrupted by Alexa Bliss and Asuka. Now, I didn't really get on Bailey's case. This is the first real in-ring promo that Bailey has cut since being back. Gotta cut the woman some slack. I am okay with her making one mistake. It doesn't happen all that often. Bliss marched out there. She was joined by Asuka and Bianca Belair. Bliss said they're not winning the women's tournament because Kai and Sky are in the tournament, as are Alexa Bliss and Asuka, which I'll show you guys in a second. So they're not winning the tournament because if they win tonight, they'll have to face them. Belair said she's hungry to get back into the ring, and the three of them would be happy to face the three of them right now. Bailey said she knew she'd get all worked up, but they're calling the shots. Bailey suggested they wrestle each other somewhere other than Cleveland. How about at Clash at the Castle? Belair, Bliss, and Asuka then all got together and whispered to each other. Belair then said, challenge accepted. Belair said, while Bailey wants to keep control, tonight she feels like losing it. So Bianca Belair initiated a big brawl. All six brawled around ringside. The brawl spilled out into the WWE fans. Graves called for somebody to legitimately get control of this thing. And the last thing that we saw was Alexa Bliss jumping off the barricade on top of everybody in this pile of bodies that was brawling on the outside. And that was pretty much it. Outside of Bailey looking and sounding a little rusty here on the microphone, obviously she took control of the segment and she righted the ship. And we got this turmoil between Bailey's new faction and we got Alexa, Bianca, and Asuka, you know, wanting to put an end to them for whatever they're causing in the women's division. Now, I love the match being announced for Clash of the Castle. I think this is a great move. This is a great move because Bianca Belair, you know, in the next three weeks, instead of rushing to find an opponent for her that really isn't deserving of a Raw Women's Championship match, WWE, Triple H, and the creative team are putting together a big six-woman tag team match to take place at Clash at the Castle instead of doing a one-off feud for the title against Bianca Belair. That, to me, is okay. Bianca Belair doesn't need to defend the title on every pay-per-view. It would be awesome. And this is a great move to get Bailey, EO, and... Dakota, a big win to really stake claim in this battle first and draw the battle lines first against Bianca, against Asuka, and against Alexa. It gives Bailey and her team a victory at Clash without necessarily having to pin Bianca Belair. Now, obviously, Bianca and Bailey is the feud and is the match that we're all looking forward to. I wouldn't mind another Bianca and Io. I won't mind Bianca and Dakota either. But that's the one match that you are building towards. So you're going to get it, but it's going to be a little bit. Don't know when that's going to be. But the six-woman tag team match is absolutely perfect, and that is what they're going with at Clash at the Castle. It's great all around. Now, I could be a daydreamer. I could be a fantasy booker. I don't know what Triple H has in store for all these women. I don't know if anybody else is going to be added to Bailey Stable. I don't know if anybody else is going to join Bianca's team. I want to hope 
that Triple H is going to really change the Survivor Series this year. You know, the fact that this is taking place right now, obviously this is all leading towards a big showdown at Survivor Series for brand supremacy. Or, if he doesn't want to do that and fix the tired and formulaic and antiquated concept of of the Survivor Series and do a traditional four-on-four Survivor Series match that has meaning and some heat behind it, again, I want a fantasy book. I don't know what Triple H is planning, but... It definitely feels, it definitely feels with all of this tumultuous fucking, you know, intensity about to just break through here and probably added more on top of that at Clash to the Castle with this six-woman tag team match. It really does feel like Triple H could possibly be setting up for a women's war games match at Survivor Series. I, I Listen, I, I, I hope that's the case. The women's war games matches that he did in NXT were really good. They were really good. I remember Io Io Shirai jumping off a fucking war games cage uh, where where she just put a trash pail over her head and fucking did a moonsault off the top of the cage. If that is what he's building towards, I would absolutely fucking love that. And the way he's building this up with the tension that's between these two groups of women, it could absolutely lead to a women's war games match At Survivor Series. How many times have people wanted change for the Survivor Series? We're seeing change now in every little aspect of the main roster. Survivor Series desperately needs to change. Absolutely needs to change. I don't know if anybody's going to care about the antiquated four-on-four matches. Not if they don't have any meaning. Or if there's nothing on the line, what does the winner get if they win the Survivor Series? Bragging rights. That's a Vince McMahon thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, we're fighting for bragging rights. We're fighting for momentum. No. No. You want to stake claim as being the best in the division? Put those women in a war games. I don't even give a shit what else happens at the Survivor Series. Survivor Series would be sold on a war games. At that point, if you want to make war games a staple at the Survivor Series, it could be a yearly thing. Who goes into the war games? Who's going to survive war games? There you go. You don't need to do anything else. You don't need to do Raw versus SmackDown at Survivor Series. You could just book Raw versus Raw, take care of Raw, have Raw do its own thing, put it on Survivor Series, build whatever stories you want to do on SmackDown, put them on the Survivor Series. War games would sell Survivor Series. And I don't know why I'm drifting off into talking about Survivor Series, but I'm thinking ahead. I'm thinking long term. That's all you would need. WWE, Vince, Bruce, they didn't want to do it because it wasn't their concept. But now that Triple H is in charge, why does NXT 2.0 need fucking war games? We don't need we don't need war games for NXT 2.0. Who the fuck is going to watch it? It's a waste of a match. It's a waste of a concept. So why don't we bring it to the main roster? It could potentially, man, I don't know who else is talking about this, but we could potentially, you heard it here first, we could potentially see war games right now. In WWE. Under Triple H at Survivor Series. But I think the six-woman tag team match at the pay-per-view at Clash of the Castle is the right way to go. Give Bianca Belair the night off for defending the championship. And it's a great way to solidify Bailey's new group by pinning the team led by Bianca Belair without Bianca Belair necessarily eating a pinfall. Now, the women's tag team title tournament. I do have everything queued up here. I got the bracket. And this is the bracket for the Women's Tag Team Title Tournament. 
Again, I'm going to sit here and tell you that I don't really understand why the women's tag team titles are needed. I'm looking at these teams, and there's not one legit team here outside of EO and Dakota, and that's even stretching it because they're a part of the same faction, and Nikki Ash and Dodrop, who have been a team but haven't really done much of anything. So this is the women's tag team title tournament. We got Tamina and Dana Brooke, who lost tonight against EO and Dakota, which was a very, very rough match. So we got EO and Dakota in the second round. Alexa Bliss and Asuka more than likely will move past Nikki Ash and Dodrop. So that will be a semifinal match. The finals, I thought, were taking place at Clash of the Castle. That is not happening because one of those two teams, either EO, Dakota, Alexa, Asuka, are going to the finals. And the finals are not happening at Clash of the Castle because those two teams are going to be on opposite teams at Clash of the Castle in a six-person tag team match. So I don't know when this finals is going to take place. It may happen on a Raw or a SmackDown. So one of those two teams, I'm assuming EO and Dakota, will go to the finals. Then on the other side, this is all SmackDown. So we got one side Raw and one side SmackDown, if you guys are noticing. Raquel Rodriguez. <laughs> Raquel uh, Rodriguez uh, Gonzalez. And Aliyah. Oh, joy, oh, joy. Against Zaya Lee and Shotzi, I think Raquel and Aaliyah are winning that. I can't see Triple H leaving out Raquel Rodriguez or eliminating her in the first round. Then we got Zoe Stark, who's still on NXT and getting a women's championship match against Mandy Rose at NXT 2.0 Heatwave. And her partner, which should make everybody happy, Nikita Lyons. Man, I listen, man. I, I I don't really I don't really get it. I don't really get it as to why everybody is so high on Nikita Lyons. I don't know, man. Maybe she may uh, she may end up being a uh, <laughs> asset to the women's division. Yeah, I, I listen, man. I can't figure it out. I can't figure it out. Apparently, she's a fan favorite. She's a fan favorite. I don't know why. Takeda Lyons and Zoe Stark. Again, not a real tag team. Just two NXT talent that are thrown together. But I'm looking at this, not so much in the negative, because yes, they're not a real tag team, and everybody understands that. But I'm looking at it in the positive, because they are going to get main roster exposure. Now, Nikita Lyons is not ready for the main roster. I'll tell you that right now. She's still green as grass. Some may argue that and may not care, which I would be completely understanding of. But she's green as grass. It's going to get her some main roster exposure. And the fact that Nikita Lyons was chosen here goes to show you how high they are on her being an asset to the company. So I'm enjoying that outlook for Nikita Lyons. And then we got Natalia and Sonya Deville. They are not getting past Nikita Lyons and Zoe Stark. So I'm looking at Raquel and Aaliyah against Nikita Lyons and Zoe Stark. I could honestly see... This going to Nikita, Zoe, and EO Dakota in the final. That is my prediction. Now, a lot of people are like, well, I could see Nikita Lyons and Zoe Stark being taken out of this thing. I could see Sasha Bailey and uh, Sasha Banks and Naomi, uh, Sasha Bailey, Sasha Banks and Naomi taking them out and taking their spot. No. 
Now, I don't think that's the right way to go about it. I would not have Sasha Banks and Naomi anywhere near this tournament. I would not have them anywhere near this tournament. Do you want to know why? I would have Sasha Banks and Naomi show up at the end of the finals. I'm giving the titles to EO and Dakota. And at the end of the match, they win the tag team titles and out comes Sasha Banks and Naomi. They are back holding the women's tag team championships that they left on John Laurinaitis' desk, who, by the way, was officially fired today. Good riddance. Usually what I say, get the fuck out. They got him the fuck out. Goodbye, Johnny Laurinaitis. People power. Goodbye. Goodbye. Now you got the wrath of the Bella's fucking mother to deal with. Unreal. I'm having Sasha and Naomi come out with the titles that they dropped on John Laurinaitis' desk, and we get a unification match of the previous champions and the new champions. That's the way I would do it. It's the simplest way to do it. Heard a lot of people talking about this this week. How would they devise and construct Sasha Banks and Naomi coming back to the WWE? Easy. Right there. That's how you do it. I wouldn't do it any other way. I wouldn't convolute anything. I wouldn't make anything too confusing. That's the way I would do it with Sasha Banks and Naomi. But obviously, EO and Dakota are going to win this thing, and I'm going to have the underdog team. I'm going to have the NXT team because it doesn't benefit anybody else. It doesn't benefit Zia Lee and Shotzi. It doesn't benefit Aaliyah and Ra- Raquel. <laughs> Rodriguez Gonzalez to go into the semifinal, into the finals. And it doesn't benefit Natalia and Sony Deville. Nobody wants to see those two in there. Give me a break. So I'm going with Nikita and Zoe Stark, who WWE, Shawn Michaels, Triple H are incredibly high on, against Dakota Kai and EO Sky. With EO Sky and Dakota Kai being the new women's tag team champions. But look at the field of eight. Look at the field of eight. There's not one single team in there outside of Bailey's girls and the team of Dodrop and Nikki Ash, who are actual tag teams. They're all, ta- they're all women just pieced together, thrown together, and stitched up with fucking uh, scotch tape. That's all they are. There's not one real team in this entire tournament, which begs the question, why are we rushing the tag team championships? They're only rushing the tag team championships back on TV because Sasha Banks and Naomi have agreed to come back, and this is how they're going to reintroduce Sasha Banks and Naomi to the company. Now, they could reintroduce Sasha Banks and Naomi to the company in any which way that they want. But to make everything that they did into a fucking work, taking the shoot and turning it into a work, that's how you're going to do it. That's the best way to operate it here. So this tournament is only, a, is only a thing because of Sasha Banks and Naomi coming back to the WWE. This tournament should serve as a reason for you to believe that they are back in the WWE. We just don't know when and where they're going to show up. But the women's tag team titles, I'm going to, stay, I'm going to sit here and tell you what I've said for, for years. Since they were born, they're a waste of time. They're not worth the weight of the leather that they're fucking uh, golden on. It, it's a waste. I don't know why we need women's tag team titles in any promotion. In any promotion. You should have dedicated women's tag teams and you should have one women's title. That's it. WWE does not have dedicated women's tag teams, and they have three 
world championships for the women to go after and barely any division. Monday Night Raw is now starting to come along. SmackDown obviously needs help. So I don't know why we need three championships in this division when it really never worked out in any other time that they had the titles on television. But like I said on Sunday during episode 439, if there's one person that is going to right the ship here and at least fucking die trying, it's going to be Triple H. Triple H, I said this on Sunday, Triple H would not be putting these championships back on television if he did not have a plan. That plan is Sasha Banks and Naomi. Guarantee it. Moving on. Moving on. We got Seth Rollins and Angelo Dawkins. Last week, Seth Rollins, he defeated Montez Ford. This week, Montez Ford was out there but got kicked out of the ringside area. This went about eight minutes. It didn't go as long as Rollins and Montez Ford last week, but this was a nice little showcase for Angelo Dawkins. So Dawkins, I don't know if you guys watched tonight, he wrestled without a shirt on. Usually Dawkins is in a basketball jersey. But tonight he wrestled without a shirt on. If this was Vince McMahon, he would never, ever, ever allow Angelo Dawkins to wrestle without his jersey on. Times have really changed in WWE. Not that Angelo Dawkins looks bad. But Angelo Dawkins does not look like the type of guy that Vince McMahon would put on his television show without a shirt on. Just being blunt and being honest. I thought Angelo Dawkins had a very, very good showing tonight. Rollins is always great. He wasn't better than Montez, sad to say, but he did very well for himself. So Rollins fell to the outside. Ford was uh, mocking him on the outside. This distraction allowed Dawkins to tackle Rollins over the announce table. Rollins took control after driving Dawkins' face into the middle rope. Rollins kicked at Ford, which got Ford angry on the outside. He grabbed the chair underneath the ring. He jumped into the ring. He wanted to DQ the match right there and ruin this match for Angelo Dawkins. Something to keep an eye out for. So the referee had to hold back Montez Ford and eventually ejected him from the match. The announcers talked about Montez and his temper getting the best of him and Rollins just sitting there laughing and allowing the referee to kick him out, which was Montez's own doing. So Dawkins knocked Rollins out to the outside and followed with a big dive over the top rope. Dawkins followed with a suplex, the spinning corner splash that he usually does. He went for his silencer. He got a two count off the silencer. Dawkins twice avoided a curb stomp before hitting a sit-out spine buster for a very close near fall. Rollins ducked a charge, and Dawkins went shoulder first into the steel steps on the outside. Dawkins avoided a stomp one more time, but Rollins yanked him down by the shoulder before hitting a pedigree in the middle of the ring for the one, two, three. Crowd pop for the pedigree, and then after the match, uh, we got a curb stomp from Rollins on Dawkins, and he did it anyway to Angelo Dawkins at the end of the match, which brought out Montez Ford again, and Montez was in there as Rollins backed away, walking up the ramp, laughing, and kind of uh, relishing in his work on Angelo Dawkins. Now, this is something to definitely keep an eye on. Last week, it was Montez doing the rock, paper, scissors and fucking Angelo Dawkins out of the rock, paper, scissors game that they were supposed to play, which was supposed to determine who would wrestle Seth Rollins last week. So Montez grabbed the referee, ran to the ring, and he got the match. 
with Rollins. Why wasn't Dawkins out there with Rollins and uh, Montez? I don't know. I don't know. Montez did not have Angelo Dawkins in his corner last week until after the match. This week, Montez is in Angelo Dawkins' corner, but wanted to let the tempers that he has get the best of him, and he wanted, with no regard, to go into the ring and hit Rollins with a steel chair without really thinking about the consequences to Angelo Dawkins. Now, you could look at this in, in, in one of two ways. I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. Number one, Montez, with the temper and the anger, could turn on Angelo Dawkins and go heel. That's what all of this anger and temper could be leading towards. I don't think that's the right thing to do. I think Montez Ford is a stereotypical, huge baby face waiting to break out on the main roster. There's no reason why anybody would turn Montez Ford into a fucking heel. I think that would be a disaster. He'd probably end up killing it, but his charisma and his attitude just screams babyface to me. And Bianca is a babyface, and everybody knows that they're married, so why would you put Montez as a heel and Bianca as a babyface? It doesn't make sense to me. So Montez, yes, the idea of him turning heel is there, but I don't think that's where they're going. Angelo Dawkins, he's going to be the one to look at this and say, Montez, 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 you're making everything about yourself. I didn't interfere in your match. In fact, I was never out there while you wrestled Rollins. I let you do your own thing, and when I ran out there, I came out there to be your backup and chase him away, but I let you do your thing. Here in my match, you wanted to once again take my spotlight by grabbing a steel chair and making it about yourself and making it about you and Rollins. Meanwhile, I'm the one having the match with Seth Rollins, and you're looking to take the spotlight away from me. Everything just kind of lines up in a way where Angelo Dawkins is going to be the one to turn heel if they are indeed going to break away the Street Profits, which at this point I don't think is the right thing to do. I don't. I wish none of this was happening. Maybe it leads to something down the line where we see them break up somewhere down the line, way down the line. And right now, it's just a little rough patch between these two, and it's a storyline to really get them some interest on television. While there really isn't no tag team division right now, maybe Triple H in the meantime is giving them something to do while he hooks up how to create a tag team division and give us a solid tag team division, which I'll talk about in a a little bit. I'll talk about that tonight. But I see Angelo Dawkins at, at the end of all this turning on Montez. I don't see Montez going heel. So Montez going babyface, Staying babyface and Angelo turning on Montez going heel is the right way to go about it. So that's the way I see it. But this was a decent match. Angelo Dawkins looked good, and he's got one hell of a fucking dropkick. Seth Rollins wins with the pedigree. Edge, he's back again tonight, and he's backstage with the Mysterios. Edge approached Dominic, who was not having any of this this evening, and Rey Mysterio, they were chatting backstage. Edge said things went haywire last week, but he assured them that tonight he had their backs. Ray says, listen, I know you do. I've known you for 20 years. I know that you got our back. Dominic was staring at him. He was giving him this evil look. He didn't say anything. Edge said last week's spear, listen, Dominic, last week's spear was an accident. I want you to know that. I hope you know that. He asked if they're cool. Dominic broke into this grin And he said, yeah, yeah, we're cool. And then all of a sudden, he shoved Edge back. Ray pushed him away and said, listen, I've known this man for 20 years, and he's family. 
Dom said, yeah, well, you've known me for 25 and I'm your, I'm your son. I can't believe you're taking his side over me. Ray told Edge, listen, don't take it too personally. I'm going to go talk to him and I'll calm him down. Edge didn't know if Ray Mysterio was going to be able to calm Edge down. He looked very concerned as the segment came to an end. For the first time, Dominic actually showed emotion. He showed emotion in front of Edge and Rey Mysterio that really made you think that what Finn Balor and Damian Priest have said to Dominic and what Rhea Ripley continues to do to Dominic, he could at the end of the day be the newest member of Judgment Day. How well that's going to be for Dominic and what's going to happen differently in Judgment Day that didn't happen with his own father, I don't know. But the interaction there between Edge and Dominic, I enjoyed that. I did. I thought this was great. Kevin Patrick interviewed The Miz and Tommaso Ciampa backstage. Patrick X Ciampa about his championship opportunity tonight. So uh, we are still using these uh, Vince McMahon terms. Championship opportunity tonight. I hope sooner rather than later those terms, those Vince McMahon-isms go away. How about just championship match or... United States title match. Something that makes everybody sound a little bit more human. How about that championship opportunity tonight? So Miz cut off Champa, and Miz said his performance was phenomenal. Champa didn't seem overly irritated by uh, the Miz interrupting him here tonight. Miz did throw back to Champa, and Champa did get some time to speak here. He said, when you want something to believe in, you believe in Champa. He said the first ever U.S. champion, Harley Race, believed in him and trained him and made him the man he is today. Triple H also looked up to Harley Race as well. He said that Race died three years ago almost to the day. He said he is dedicating this win later to the king, Harley Race. He said with Harley looking down on him and Miz at ringside, this will be his moment. Champa said when Lashley looks into his eyes, he will feel his sacrifice and realize he has already lost. Champa is great. You guys are really going to fall in love with, with Champa. Give it some time. You're going to fall in love with him, and it's going to be awesome. Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens and Ezekiel. I know I am... Not the only one to say to myself, oh my God, man, what the fuck? Is Vince McMahon really booking this show? Another rematch. What are they doing? Did Bruce actually get a fucking pen and paper and write a segment on this show? Did Bruce lock Triple H in a fucking broom closet somewhere? We got Kevin Owens and Ezekiel. This was a statement. This was a statement like Ricochet was a statement on SmackDown. It was just done a lot differently. Ricochet opened SmackDown and what I said was a statement match. You could have picked anybody to open that show on SmackDown. Triple H put Ricochet in the opening segment to get a big victory over Baron Corbin. Why was it Ricochet? Because Ricochet is a Triple H guy. Ricochet has been buried for four years by Vince McMahon 
Ricochet is now in good hands under Triple H because Ricochet was a big factor of the black and gold. So was Kevin Owens. So was Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is out there. Ezekiel was already in the ring. He got no ring entrance. Kevin Owens made his entrance to his music, jumped at Ezekiel at the bell, threw him out to the floor, threw him into the ring post, and powerbombed him on the ring apron. This is Kevin Owens of old. This was his M.O. in the black and gold. Everybody that he targeted, he threw onto the apron in a powerbomb with a pop-up powerbomb. We're getting the black and gold early era Kevin Owens back. And that makes my heart smile with glee. Finally, this man has a direction. Finally, this man has a character. Finally, Kevin Owens is not going to be given a fucking KO show every fucking week with the spotlight being on somebody else and not him. Why was this a statement? This was a statement to secure Kevin Owens as a top guy in the Triple H era. This was a statement to tell everybody that Ezekiel is garbage. This was Triple H speaking to everybody watching the show, everybody in Cleveland, everybody at home watching Monday Night Raw. This was Triple H speaking through Kevin Owens tonight to you to tell you what he thinks of Ezekiel and the character of Ezekiel. Triple H told you tonight that Ezekiel is nothing more than Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard garbage. Ezekiel is done. The character of Ezekiel is finished. I'd be surprised if we see Ezekiel ever again. Paralyzed, storyline fucking career retirement, whatever. Whatever. Does this usher in Elias again? Do we see Elias come back? That's the vibe I got out of it. The vibe that I got out of it was it was a statement from Triple H through Kevin Owens to us. Ezekiel is Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard garbage. Get it out. I love it. Wasn't a match. It was just Kevin Owens brutalizing Ezekiel with a pop-up powerbomb on the apron. Two thumbs up from me. Finn Balor and Damian Priest are in the ring. No Rhea Ripley. No Rhea Ripley in this segment. Balor and Damian Priest are there, and Balor mocked Ray and thinks they fear him, yet his son, he and his son, can't get on the same page. He said the Judgment Day isn't afraid of anyone because fear isn't real, but rather a product of the imagination. He said danger is real, though, and Ray is going to find out that he is a danger. Damian Priest said that he could lay him out tonight if he wanted to, but in two weeks, they're in Toronto, and Edge hasn't wrestled on Raw in Toronto in 12 years. He officially challenged him to a one-on-one match and said, if you still have a set, let's end this. He said Edge might have started Judgment Day, but in two weeks in front of his family and whatever friends you have left, I will end you. So look at that. Triple H, number one, is giving you a match now, two weeks from now. 
with Damian Priest and Edge. Would Vince McMahon have done that? No. That's not a thing that they did in the Vince and Bruce era. In the Triple H era, that's a normal thing. Get used to it. Number two, this is the best that Finn Balor and Damian Priest sounded since they've joined the Judgment Day. They were focused. They were blunt. They didn't stutter over their words. They didn't sound scripted. They didn't sound fucking, you know, written by some fucking half-witted geek in the back. They sounded natural. They sounded forceful. They sounded direct. I loved it. Balor sounded more like Prince Devitt tonight, and Damian Priest sounded more like Punishment Martinez tonight. Instead of thinking about what they have to say and reading off a script and then going out there and reciting a script written by Vince McMahon. That doesn't sound like them. Triple H gave them bullet points. He sent them out there. Go do what you got to do. Balor's not the best promo. I understand that. Neither is Damian Priest. But they went out there and they sounded the best that they've sounded since they both joined Judgment Day. And I thought that was great. I really did. I thought this was a good segment. So they cut backstage to Ray making his way to the ring. And he was there with Edge. Edge cut him off and asked if he's seen Dominic. Ray says, I can't seem to find him. He's not answering his cell. Edge said, listen, my offer from earlier stands, and I'll be happy to accompany you at ringside. Ray said, listen, if you come out to ringside with me, Dominic is going to be even more angry. Stay here. If I need you, you know what to do. But Dominic will be out there. I'm sure of it. So he left Edge in the back, and Rey Mysterio went out to ringside all by himself. So we got Finn Balor and Rey Mysterio. So Damian Priest is out there, but Rey Mysterio has no Dominic Mysterio by his side. He's out there all by himself. So this was a great match. This went nearly 15 minutes. 15 minutes. We're getting pro wrestling again, folks. This is a beautiful thing. So Balor started doing the three amigo suplexes in this match, which got a lot of boos, disrespecting Rey Mysterio and obviously Eddie Guerrero. And he did a shimmy like Eddie did. It was terrible. I think Balor could do the three amigos if he wants. But can we leave the shimmy at home? I'm not even going to attempt it because I would make a fucking mockery out of it too. Balor did not do a good Eddie shimmy. So Ray countered the last suplex into the suplex of his own, and he had a low drop kick for a two count. Ray went for a 619, but Priest got in the way and took the 619 instead. That allowed Ballard to pop up and drive Ray into the ring post. Ray started to fight back. He hit a sliding DDT into the barricade. Priest tripped Ray as the ref was distracted, so Edge immediately... Ran down the aisle. Alter Bridge Metalingus played. He ran down the aisle. He speared Damian Priest into the steel steps. They brawled into the fans, into the crowd, and they disappeared from ringside. Ray hit Balor with the code red for a near fall. Ray went for a 619. Balor took him out with a clothesline and a shotgun dropkick. Ray dodged a coup de grace, set him up for the 619, but he was distracted. Because Rhea Ripley, there she is. Rhea Ripley shows up on the stage in the aisleway with Dominic over her shoulder. She dumps Dominic in the aisleway. His shirt is ripped. He's bruised on the face and he's unconscious, laying there. Dominic.
Dominic Mysterio is out here being brutalized by Rhea Ripley, you may think he's living his best life. You may think that this is not a fun time for Dominic Mysterio. Either way you think about it, Dominic Mysterio seemingly can't handle Rhea Ripley. So Ray is looking at this. She dropped his lifeless, beaten body, all black and blued, on the aisleway floor. This distraction allowed Balor to hit his patented 1916 reverse DDT and a coup de grace for a one, two, three. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. I'm more interested in this Dominic Judgment Day shit than I was when Bruce and Vince wrote it because it seems a little bit more natural now. It looks a little bit more easygoing and and flowing now. And Edge, you know, Edge is there, and I'm assuming this is going to lead to a tag team match. Maybe we get get a six-person tag team match. It could be either Ray and Edge versus Priest and Balor at the pay-per-view, or we could get what I was thinking if Rhea Ripley, obviously Rhea Ripley is a part of Judgment Day, we get Priest, Balor, and Rhea Ripley versus Edge, Rey Mysterio, and Beth Phoenix. I saw Beth Phoenix, she posted something online not too long ago. Looks like she, obviously she is still training and working out, but it wouldn't be the first time they bring her in for something. And this is going to be a major show, so they want some added star power to this show. Maybe the equalizer here, if Dominic can't handle, if Dominic can't handle Rhea Ripley, we're going to have to find somebody that can. In comes Beth Phoenix. So we get Edge, Mysterio, and Beth Phoenix versus Balor, Priest, and Rhea Ripley. Six-person tag team match. And then we finally end this thing once and for all. And then at Clash of the Castle, we find out where Dominic and his allegiance lies. Is it with his father or is it with Judgment Day? Did Balor and Priest and Rhea Ripley finally convince him to join Judgment Day? The only way the beatings are going to stop is if he joins Judgment Day. So that's what I'm going with. That's where I'm going with. Going to be interesting to follow leading up to the pay-per-view. Sarah Schreiber, she interviewed Tamina and Dana Brooke. Why is Dana Brooke on this show and why is she still carrying around the 24-7 title? Get it the fuck out! Nobody wants it on the show. Give it to me. And I'll burn it for the WWE Universe. I'll throw it in my fucking fire pit outside. Sarah Schreiber interviewed Tamina and Dana Brooke. She said she wants to become a two-time title holder. Yeah, good luck with that, honey. She bragged she's been defending her title a lot. Yes, because everybody can't wait to see you defend the title again. Bailey and her group walked in and said... The women's tag team titles suit them because Bailey was the first to hold the tag team titles. Tamina stepped up and told Bailey, keep yapping and I'll be happy to take her and her two friends out of the tournament right now. Dakota Kai had a few words for Tamina. Sky told Tamina, I don't like you. Love it. I don't like her either, EO. I don't like her either. Dakota Kai and Io Sky versus Tamina and Dana Brooke. This is the round one women's tag team tournament match. First in the tournament. This was pretty rough. This was pretty rough. This was probably the worst thing on the entire show. 
Triple H didn't hit a home run here, folks. This was bad. This was very bad. I'm not even blaming Bailey and her girls. I'm blaming Tamina and Dana Brooke. This is what happens when you put fucking Dana Brooke and Tamina in the fucking tournament. I would have taken anybody else, anybody else. What made them decide on these two women? I don't know. You could have put some NXT team in there. You could have two NXT teams, one on Raw, one on SmackDown. I would have taken Casey Cotton Zaro or Caden Carter. I would have taken Toxic Attraction. I would have taken Roxanne Perez and somebody else. I don't know. Cora Jade and somebody else. I would have taken the new the new tag team down there, Ulisa Leon and Valentina Feroz, to be in the tournament. They probably would have given Dakota Kai and Io Sky a better match. But here we are with Tamina and Dana Brooke. There's a reason why they haven't been on television. Now you see why. So, 90 seconds in, after Brooke wiped out her opponents with a dive off the, to- off the top rope, they go to commercial break. 90 seconds into this thing. Kai and Sky took control after driving Dana Brooke into the barricade. Tamina made a hot tag. She was cut off by Kai and Sky after Brooke crashed into the barricade when Bailey saved Kai. Sky hit a moonsault for the one, two, three. And that was pretty much all that there was to this match. That was it. After the match was over, we got, uh, I think that was it. Nothing happened after the match. It was basically it. It was basically over. Again, this sucked. This sucked. Seeing how my notes lasted maybe two lines, that was all that I got. This was bad. Not a really good start to the tournament. For the women's tag team titles. Kevin Patrick ran towards Kevin Owens. He was there for an interview as he was leaving the arena. Owens warned him not to do that again or he'll drop him like he dropped Ezekiel out there by the ring. So... KO says, listen, I know who I am. I know who the fuck that guy is as well. He says he's been gone for a while, but there are more eyes on this show than in a long time. That's a shoot, folks. That's a shoot and a dig at the old era. There are more eyes on this show in a long time. So we decided to show up and remind people that this is still the Kevin Owens show. And this is where we saw in the background that fucking image of the car crashed into the building. And we see smoke from the hood of the vehicle. And we see Nikki Ash and Dodrop standing about with some fucking personnel backstage. Nobody knew what the fuck was going on when this Kevin Owens interview was happening. So keep that in mind. This is a seed planted for what is to come later on through the show. We got another video airing on the on the history of the United States title featuring audio clips from Bret Hart, Ricky Steamboat, Booker T, Kofi Kingston, Dusty Rhodes, and Bobby Lashley speaking about how proud they are to be the United States champion. Vince McMahon could never. Champa made his entrance with The Miz. Champa wore a Harley race robe that he pointed out earlier. And Bobby Lashley and Tommaso Ciampa started their United States Championship match. Now, I thought this was the main event of the show. This is taking place at the 10 o'clock hour, and we're getting this match happening right now. This was a strong match. 
It was a little chaotic towards the end with the interference of AJ Styles, which was nicely done. Miz was taken out of this thing, and we got a nice last five minutes or so with Tommaso Ciampa and Bobby Lashley for the United States title. They really sold what they did in this match, and everybody looked great. So, Champa got a few near falls before Lashley ultimately won this thing, which we'll go over right now. Champa slipped out of a power slam and hit a chop block on Lashley, but Lashley no-sold a few chops before hitting a back elbow. I loved how they made Champa look strong here, and I love how they actually gave him a decent amount of offense on Bobby Lashley. Now, Lashley obviously is the bigger guy, and he's going to get the majority of the offense over the smaller Champa. But they did not make Champo look weak in this thing at all, which was great. So, moving on to the rest of the match. And I'm loving what they're doing here. After the chop block, he's, he, he no-sold it. Lashley went after Champ at ringside, lifted him onto his shoulders. Miz intervened here. Lashley threw Champa onto the Miz. We go to a small commercial break. So, we got Champa hitting Lashley with a running knee to the head. As Lashley was trying to re-enter the ring, Champa had Lashley in a side headlock. Lashley eventually speared Champa, but when he made the cover, Miz put Champa's leg on the bottom rope. Lashley stood and started yelling at the Miz. AJ Styles, all of a sudden, you see the Miz, and in the background, this was beautifully shot. In the background, you see AJ running through the fucking crowd, jumping the barricade, and then fucking coming towards the camera, and phenomenal elbowing, phenomenal forearming, the Miz into the fucking barricade that's right there. This was beautifully shot. So AJ Styles showed up, attacked Miz at ringside. The announcers wondered where he came from. He just ran out of nowhere. Lashley turned back around because he was distracted by this shit going on on the outside. Focused back on Champa. Champa scored a two counts with a quick inside cradle on Bobby Lashley. So Styles chased Miz into the ring out of the ring, and they ran away. And Lashley watched them and again was distracted. Then he went for a hurt lock. Champa avoided it, rammed Lashley's head into an exposed turnbuckle that he removed earlier in the match once and then threw him into the steel post through the ring ropes. And I thought this was going to be it. I thought Champa might have won the United States title with this. Big running knee to the forehead, Near fall, Bobby Lashley kicks out. Champa then set up the fairy tale ending. Lashley powered out of the fairy tale ending. Champa countered a hurt lock and applied a crossface. He applied a Gargano escape. Corey Graves on commentary made a beautiful line saying, When you gotta go for a submission, when you wanna go for a submission, you're better off just doing it yourself in reference to DIY. He got a Gargano escape on Bobby Lashley. Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano are legit best friends and tag team partners. I thought that was awesome. Lashley powered up, went for a power slam. Ciampa again slipped out and shoved that charging Lashley through the ropes. Lashley returned. Ciampa landed Widow's Bell. And I thought that was it. He kicked out. Lashley kicked out of Widow's Bell, which is basically one of his signature moves. Could be a finishing move. He has finished people off with it before. That was a very, very close near fall. Lashley avoided a charging Champa. 
Choke slammed him, hurt lock, and that was it. Tommaso Ciampa tapped out to the hurt lock. One, two, three, it's all over. So Lashley retains the United States Championship, and I thought this was the best Bobby Lashley match of the entire year. I thought this was his best performance in ring all year. Tommaso Ciampa, he is going to be a major, major deal on Monday Night Raw, if you guys have not noticed already in the last two weeks. He won a triple threat match. He beat AJ Styles, and he had a great performance against Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley is good, as in, good, is good in his own right. Tommaso Ciampa is great in his own right. Tommaso Ciampa had a great match with Bobby Lashley and led Bobby Lashley to the best match of his entire year. So that's how good Ciampa is. And that's how good Ciampa is going to be on Monday night. Why didn't Ciampa win the title? Because Ciampa doesn't need the title. Ciampa is not here to become United States champion. Tommaso Ciampa is not here to be a world champion. Tommaso Ciampa is here to aid in a lot of different aspects on Monday Night Raw. Bring legitimacy, he does that. Bring a great promo, he does that. Be a veteran in that ring, a la a Randy Orton or Seth Rollins, he's going to bring that to Monday Night Raw, as obviously you guys seen tonight. But the story here is not him winning the United States Championship. The story here is him breaking away from The Miz. Now, you saw all of this happen. I don't know where this is leading to, but Champa being upset with The Miz not being at ringside and focusing on AJ Styles instead of helping him win the United States Championship, that could be a factor that comes into play somewhere down the line. Or maybe there is a, a crisscross of communication and miscommunication, and we get some breakup happening because they're not on the same page. But this is the story. Champa winning the United States Championship is not the fucking story. Champa, I don't believe, is going to be a heel. If there's a breakup with The Miz, Miz is going to be the heel and Champa is going to be the babyface. Champa is going to be positioned as a babyface on Monday Night Raw. And I firmly believe that Johnny Gargano is going to be paired with Tommaso Champa on the main roster. If I am Triple H, what am I doing with Tommaso Champa? There's no world champion. And when there is a world champion, it's not going to have anything to do with Tommaso Ciampa. If he wanted him to be United States champion tonight, he would have had him win the United States championship. He's not going to be the United States champion. He's not going to be challenging for the world championship. We're not getting Goldie back in the way of the WWE title. So what's the best use of Tommaso Ciampa? Pairing him with Johnny Gargano. Johnny Gargano's entry into the WWE is through Tommaso Ciampa, however that may end up being, and whatever happens, that is the best use of Tommaso Ciampa. What do we need to do, first and foremost, in WWE? What has been a long-standing issue in WWE? Fixing the tag team division. You don't think Triple H is watching AEW Dynamite on Wednesday night? You don't think he's looking at the fucking tag team division that Tony Khan has built over there on AEW Dynamite? You don't think Triple H is thinking he could possibly have the same thing in WWE? Now, if you guys watch NXT Black and Gold, NXT always was a breeding ground for great tag team wrestling. Tag team wrestling thrived in WWE through NXT. Half of the teams that got called up were ultimately split and buried because Vince doesn't give a shit about tag team wrestling. You know who gives a shit about tag team wrestling? Paul Levesque does. 
You know what Paul Levesque needs to do? Fix the tag team division. How do you fix the tag team division? By giving us possibly the greatest tag team in the world in DIY. You put Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano together on Monday Night Raw, and you pair everybody else and get that tag team division the way it needs to be. Usos, New Day, Street Profits, Alpha Academy, and you want to pair Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens together, who I've been saying for weeks is going to be your tag team title match at Clash of the Castle. Look at that tag team division. Look at that tag team division. Do we need two sets of titles? If I'm Triple H, I'm merging those championships into one. Having those titles float back and forth from Raw to SmackDown and SmackDown to Raw. Alpha Academy, Street Profits. This is why I don't want to break up the Street Profits. This is why I think breaking Montez Ford away from Angelo Dawkins and having him go single right now is way too soon. It's too early. We're just about to have fun here. You don't want to break them up. They're one of the best tag teams in the world. The fuck you want to break them up for? DIY, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. You got Alpha Academy. You got Street Profits. You want RK Bro back? You can bring RK Bro back and give them a little bit more shelf life before you ultimately break them away. Usos, New Day, Viking Raiders. I mean, you want a tag team division? I just gave you fuck. I got eight teams right there. You got eight teams right there. What else do you need? You don't need two sets of tag team titles. You don't need, you don't need a Raw division. You don't need a tag team uh, title on SmackDown. One fucking title. How many times have I said this? If the women can float between Raw and SmackDown, why can't the men float between Raw and SmackDown? One set of tag team titles. I just built you a tag team division without even having to fucking try. Tommaso Ciampa's value is not in a singles title right now. His value is with his friend. His value is in DIY. And his value is in that tag team division. The best tag team match in WWE history goes to DIY and the Revival, FTR. Take over Toronto, two out of three falls. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, go on the network, go on Peacock, and go and watch it. The best tag team match in WWE history. That's where his value lies. And Triple H, if he's smart, is resurrecting that tag team division and with absolutely no effort, just as much effort as I told you guys and said everything that needs to be done, that's exactly what he needs to do. That is exactly how you fix that tag team division, and that's how you get that division to where it needs to be to compete with what AEW is doing. One set of titles, DIY, amongst all those other teams, and we are golden. We are golden. Somebody get this to Triple H. Somebody get my words to Triple H's ears. That's what needs to be done. And I swear to God, I hope that is the same fucking thing he's thinking about right now. I got chills even fucking talking about it. You want to bring Enzo and Cass back? Bring him back. You think Cass is out? You think William Morrissey is out there hanging around and they're not looking to bring him back? That would be fucking huge. Oh. Oh. That is awesome. Tag team wrestling, man. Tag team fucking wrestling. If that goes and happens, Jesus fucking Christ, man. You might as well fucking pay me to be on Triple H's writing team. 
Sadly, sadly, we got an Omas segment. Sadly, we got Omas on this show. I, I, I don't know why. I, I, I think Bruce, I think Bruce really took the pen and took the reins for some of this show, man. We got... Yes. Yes, we got the mighty Omas. The Nigerian giant. The mighty Omas. He wrestled a handicap match. Andrea Guserio and Spencer Slade. Match went two minutes. Who won? Omos won. What was I doing? I got up and I made myself an oat milk cappuccino. It's exactly what I did. Omos is on the TV. That means, yep, get up and go do anything else that I could find to keep me entertained for two to three minutes. So what I did is I went into the kitchen, I turned on my espresso machine, I grinded up some beans, I poured some vanilla oat milk into my little fucking thing, right, my little cup, and I steamed my fucking thing. I see the milk boiling, all right? And I'm like, oh, man, look, I got some nice foam on this motherfucker, man. I pour the espresso right into the fucking cup, and I start pouring it nice and slow. I start scooping some foam out onto my fucking espresso. I sprinkle it with some brown sugar. And before you know it, the match is over. I missed nothing. I missed nothing. Fucking ridiculous, man. Get him out! The fuck is he doing here? Seth Rollins was backstage. Rollins was laughing as Kevin Patrick tried to interview him. He asked Seth what he thinks about Riddle and this exclusive interview next week. Riddle apparently is having an exclusive Raw interview next week. Seth didn't like that he was asking him about Riddle because he said last week he's done with Riddle. Seth says he won't have an earth-shattering announcement. He'll just say bro and dude and cool over and over again. Seth then said he's the gatekeeper of the industry. He said anything good has to go through him. He said Riddle is good at flushing his own potential down the toilet. Don't believe me? Ask Dana White, he says. He said if Riddle has two working brain cells left, He will tell the world that he's hanging up the flip-flops and retire for good. He said if he doesn't want to do that, he'll Cody Rhodes his ass out the door. He said any way you slice it, if Riddle has anything to say next week, so does he. I'm looking forward to that, man. We're getting that match at Class of the Castle, and that's going to be a banger. Bro, it's going to be great. Chad Gable and Dolph Ziggler. This was a one-on-one match. Ziggler wins in five minutes. This was rather boring because nobody gives a fucking shit about Dolph Ziggler. So Gable took control a couple minutes in. He was working over Ziggler's leg. He was setting up for the ankle lock. Ziggler made a comeback. He went for a famous, sir. 
Gable avoided it and applied a standing ankle lock. Ziggler eventually escaped and landed a super kick for the win. So that's that. Otis chased after Ziggler. He began to celebrate. Ziggler bailed out of the ring. He sold the ankle because Gable had it on for a little bit. But Otis stayed in the ring and he kept eyeing Ziggler. So I'm assuming we'll see Otis and Ziggler next week on uh, Monday Night Raw. Maybe we get Ziggler and Bobby Roode back. I don't know. I would not do that, though, as far as tag teams. I think Ziggler and Roode need to be separated. I think Bobby Roode needs to come back as glorious Bobby Roode. Hopefully that's also on Triple H's list of things to do. I think I'd pop big time. I'd mark out if I hear glorious once again. This was a waste of time. Even though I love Chad Gable, this was a waste of time. Moving on. They hyped next week's women's tournament. We're getting Alexa Bliss and Asuka versus Nikki. uh... What is her fucking name? And I can't remember it. Oh, trash. Like Titus is dumping the trash out right now, right? Backstage. Oh, in the back, right? Don't tell him. Listen, man, don't tell him I said anything. But he made a mess last night. Fucking guy. Jesse, what's going on, bro? Jesus Christ, man. We got Nikki Trash and Doe Drop against Alexa Bliss and Asuka next week in the first round of the women's tag team title tournament. Hopefully it's better than what we saw tonight. Tonight was fucking terrible. And I don't want to see it ever again. So they hype next week's match and Bailey interrupted Bliss and Asuka who were saying... Next to nothing, Bailey asked Bliss where her doll was, or is Oscar your new toy? Several police officers ran past them, apparently in relation to this car that crashed earlier in the evening. And Styles walked past them, and he was heading to the ring. Nobody made anything of it. Nobody made anything of it. Just there, chaos, bizarre, very weird and bizarre. What's going on here on Monday Night Raw? So, we got AJ Styles in The Miz in a no-DQ match. This was not bad. It went 13 minutes. You know, I like I like matches going 13, 14, 15 minutes, man. Balor and Rey Mysterio went 15 minutes. This went almost 15 minutes. It's great. It's great, man. If this was uh, Vince McMahon, we would have had uh, the main event segment start at about 1040. They would have had two introductions, which probably would have went till 1044. We would have went to commercial for five minutes. We, we wouldn't get back until uh, 10.51, and we would have been left with nine minutes of TV match. Awful. We got 15 minutes in the main event here with Miz and AJ Styles. Not bad. Don't really care to see it again, but it wasn't bad. Styles tried to grab a table in the middle of this thing, and crowd went crazy for it because they loved their tables. Miz drop kicked him. Styles tried to set something up on the announce table, but Miz chucked him over the barricade, and we go to commercial break. Styles was uh, back on his feet, and he was setting up the tables again, and he was, you know, obviously being cheered by the crowd here. Miz attacked him repeatedly with a kendo stick that he found underneath the ring. Styles fought back with the said kendo stick, crotched him, and used it to hit a side Russian leg sweep on the Miz for a two count. Styles hit a phenomenal forearm, but Champa. Pulled out the referee, and he pulled the referee out of the ring. It's all legal here because it's an ODQ match. Styles knocked Champa off the apron and through the table. He takes a hard way bump through the table. Styles went for the phenomenal forearm, but Miz chucked a chair in his face, hit a skull-crushing finale for a near fall. 
Miz attacked Styles' leg with the kendo stick, and he went for the figure four, but Styles kicked him into a steel chair that was propped up in between the second and third ropes. And then he goes for the Styles Clash. He nails the Styles Clash. He gets the victory and pins the Miz one, two, three. As Styles celebrated, it seemed like a fan was being dealt with by security. That's what I thought it was. And all of a sudden, AJ stops. He looks. We see this man get to his feet. He's being handcuffed. Security's taking him away. And it was actually Dexter Loomis. They didn't focus on him, though. Corey Graves uttered under his breath, is that Dexter Loomis? And Dexter Loomis is being taken away in handcuffs by security, and he's being carted off out of the building. So all of the stuff that we've seen, all the shit that we've seen, with the car crashing into the pillar backstage, the smoke from the vehicle, the security guards, and all this chaos backstage, it was all because of Dexter Loomis. Why was he driving this vehicle into the fucking building and crashing the vehicle? What is his intent backstage at Monday Night Raw that we needed all these security guards running around causing this chaotic scene backstage? Triple H single-handedly is giving you a reason to watch next week's show. He is creating episodic television the way it's supposed to be. I can't wait to see what happens next week. And that was a great introduction to who Dexter Loomis is. Because it looks like they're going back to doing what Dexter Loomis did when he first arrived in WWE. And they're looking to reintroduce that Dexter Loomis to NXT, to uh, WWE. That NXT Dexter Loomis. So we're getting NXT Dexter Loomis. We're getting NXT Champa, Possibly NXT Johnny Gargano. We're getting NXT Karrion Cross, We're getting NXT Shayna Baszler. We're getting NXT Ricochet. NXT Kevin Owens. Hopefully NXT Pete Dunne. Triple H is taking the miscast and he's casting them the way that they should have been cast. You don't take something that was never broken and try to fix it. That's what Triple H is showing you here. I thought this was a very focused and very forward Monday Night Raw. I'm very excited to see where all this is going. We got a couple of things, which is a lot for me to say. Coming out from the Vince McMahon era, there was nothing exciting about this fucking show. We got a women's tag team title tournament that is going to lead to Sasha Banks and Naomi coming back. We got a Rey Mysterio storyline where he's on the grips of losing his son to Judgment Day. We got Dexter Loomis now. He's eyeing AJ Styles for whatever fucking reason. We got Karrion Cross on SmackDown. We don't know where he's going to be uh, you know, plugged into with Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre and what's going to come out of that. Tommaso Ciampa and the rise of Ciampa, which may lead to the reintroduction of Johnny Gargano. Shayna Baszler is now on the verge of winning the NXT Women's, or the, uh, not the NXT Women's Championship, I wish, the SmackDown Women's Championship from Liv Morgan. There is a lot of promise and a lot to be excited about coming out of WWE. Tonight was just week two, folks. Tonight was just week two. I don't know why anybody says this show sucked. There was more story in this show than there was in four shows run by Vince McMahon. So what exactly didn't you like about this show? Are you just not up with what Triple H's vision is? You don't like the pro wrestling? You don't like storytelling? You don't like long-term booking? You don't like things that actually take you from week to week to week to week 
to get you in the mindset of, hey, I want to watch this show. There was five matches on this show. WWE tends to put nine matches on Raw, most of them being rematches, and they don't go three, four, five minutes. Triple H is giving you a show that is fulfilling the three hours. For the second week in a row, Monday Night Raw was three hours, and it didn't feel like three hours. When I looked down on my clock, it was already 10 o'clock. I'm like, already? That, that is the true sign of change. I love it. And I love you guys. 3,500 plus in the venue. You guys are awesome. And we are going to go over the Super Chats in just a second. We got 1,100 likes, man. 1,154 to be exact. I need 1,500 minimum. So if you guys have not hit that thumbs up, man, we got 3,500 people in here, man. If you guys have not hit the thumbs up, what the fuck are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Did I not give you gold once again like I always do? Hit that thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. And make sure you guys get those super chats in. We are going to hang out in just a second. Want to shout out my sponsor for today's show, man. Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Is today's sponsor on Monday Night Raw's post show right here on OTS. It's the summertime, guys. It is the summertime. Summer's almost over. So, I'm going to need you to get out there and start having some fun, man. I don't need you to fucking be like Impact Wrestling. Boring and slow and not worth anything. I'm going to need you to pick it up like Paul Levesque. Like he's doing with Monday Night Raw. Pop a couple of blue chew, get that confidence going, take your girl out for a nice time. And then when that opportunity arises, you're going to be ready and it's going to be a great night. Confidence can take you far in life, guys. And like I said, also in the bedroom. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets, and it comes at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night. Plan ahead. Be ready whenever that opportunity does present itself. And it's very simple, man. Sign up at BlueChew.com. Consult with one of their licensed online medical providers. And once you are approved, you're going to receive your prescription in days. It's all done online. No visits to the doctor's office. No awkward conversations. No waiting in line at the pharmacy. And Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA, prepared and shipped direct to your door in a very discreet package. I talk about first impressions, guys. Triple H, Paul Levesque has made a great first impression. But what about lasting impressions? Again, I'm going to need you to take the Triple H fucking mentality here, man. First impressions nailed it. Lasting impression... You're going to have a lasting impression as well with Blue Chew. Sign up at BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. Free sample. All you guys got to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. That's BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. I want to thank them for once again sponsoring the show tonight on Off The Script. Let's start at the top, man. Joseph Taylor with a $2 super chat. He says, what is your favorite Metallica song? I don't know how many times I got to answer this fucking question, man. My favorite Metallica song. I'll give you my top three. 
the four horsemen fight fire with fire and battery. Those are my top three Metallica songs. I don't know why I get that question so many times, but that is my top three as far as Metallica is concerned. Joseph Taylor also with the $2 Super Chat. He says, DIY versus the Usos. Take my money. Yes, I would love to see that. I think that would be fantastic. Michelle Moran with a $2 Super Chat. Dominic needs to join Legato del Fantasma. I like that as well, Michelle. I think that's great. It's about time Legato makes their debut, man. I think this uh, this Santos Escobar and Tony D'Angelo meeting that we're going to get tomorrow night, it may actually lead to a Loser Leafs Town match, and I think Legato gets called up from the main roster. Honestly, I think that's where they're going. And it should happen. It's, it's long overdue. All those guys are just so good. Vincent O'Connell with the $5 Super Chat Clash. Turn Reigns versus Drew into a three-way with Cross. Make it a double elimination match. First point wins one title. Second pin wins other title. No. No, I'm not. Uh, I, I, do not I do not like that idea. Cross, Cross should not be in discussion to pin Roman Reigns. Cross should not be wrestling Roman Reigns right now with the titles on Roman Reigns. If you want Cross and Roman, it needs to be a non-title match or when Roman loses those championships. Now, the only thing that I would even accept, and I'm very hesitant about this, is having Drew McIntyre and Cross happen at the pay-per-view and have that open the show. The winner of that match goes on and wrestles Roman Reigns, which would be Drew McIntyre. You're not going to take the title match away from Drew McIntyre. You're going to build this show like you built WrestleMania 30 for Daniel Bryan. You're going to build this show for Drew McIntyre. Maybe he goes through Cross in the opening match, gets that match under his belt. He goes on to wrestle Roman Reigns in the main event and beats Roman Reigns for the world title. Now, I don't even want Drew McIntyre to pin Roman Reigns because I don't think that's the right guy for the job. But I also cannot envision them having that show there in front of almost 70,000 people and then have Drew McIntyre lose. So, I mean, it's going to be a very difficult situation. If you ask me what the perfect, and I talk about this on an extra that I already recorded that's already due for upload tomorrow. If you ask me what my perfect situation is, it's going to be Roman and Cody at WrestleMania with Cody pinning Roman. That's what I want. We may not be getting that. So, it's going to be interesting. I think Drew McIntyre pins Roman. And the possibility of Austin Theory cashing in on, on Drew McIntyre is still there. It still may present itself. So, don't leave that out as a possibility as well. Nicholas Murray with a 199 Super Chat. I am a first-timer. Thanks for all the show updates. Nicholas. Brother, listen, man, I'm happy to have you here, man. First time, I love the first times. Hopefully you enjoyed your stay, Nicholas. It's quite the uh, quite the operation and quite the venue we have here, man. We've made the venue to be the place to be after all these shows. Omega Kong with a 499 Super Chat. Hey, JD. Hey, OTS Garden. I got my Titus catering on. I made stuffed shells, chicken breast, and homemade garlic bread for everyone. Bon appetit, says Omega Khan. That sounds fucking delicious, man. I love me a good stuffed shell. 
Gregory Benson with a 999 Super Chat. What does JD usually do while Omos is on his TV? I leave the room. Jerry Ramey with a $10 Super Chat. JD, the impatient ones don't realize if you do drastic change and an overnight total reboot, it becomes WCW 2000. Bro, Triple H is giving you little by little by little to ensure the shareholders that everything is okay. If he goes in and drastically changes everything overnight, man, that's going to create you know this instability and this unstable environment. You don't want that. So he's got he's to look out for the shareholders as well. So that's exactly what he's going to do, and I love it. He's done a great two weeks. Joseph Taylor with a $5 super chat. Angel Garza. Boa. Bronson Reed. Cameron Grimes, Dexter Loomis, Swerve Strickland, Joaquin Wilde, and ACH were the eight guys in the breakout tournament in 2019. Yes. That was a great fucking tournament. Angel Garza apparently also got his name back. He's no longer just Angel. He's Angel Garza. I hope so, man. He's he's too good. Andrea, am I a Lady Gaga guy? No. I haven't listened to one Lady Gaga song in my entire life. And I don't plan on starting now. Corey Williams, Jacob Sims, K11 all become new new members. Thank you, gentlemen. What the fuck are you guys drinking tonight? Freebird, 13-month recommitment to the VIP club. I want Bush to go back to Pete Dunne and Gunther to come back as Walter. That theme music on SmackDown would be awesome. Yes, it would. I'd love to see that. I'm okay with Gunther, but yes, Butch needs to be Pete Dunne again, and yes, I'd love Walter's theme music to come back. His theme music sucks. Gary, the new man, with a $2 super chat. Dominic chooses death by snoo snoo, LOL. Listen, man, some people find that uh, what Rhea Ripley is doing to Dominic is hot and attractive. These people want to be beat up by Rhea Ripley like Dominic is being uh, uh, be, being beat up by Rhea Ripley. Uh, if that's your thing, God bless you. Danny Baker with a 1999 Super Chat. What's up, JD? Each week is getting better. You said it best that we all just got to have patience with my best Raquel Rodriguez impression. He, 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 he. <laughs> have a good night, bro. Cheers. Danny Baker, thank you so much, brother. Yes, we need to have patience. You guys need that. I have patience. You guys need that patience. Oh my God, it's Rush 2213, new member. And then he got, then he's got eight months. I'm assuming he's an eight month VIP. And then he's got a $20 super chat. Hey, Jay, just wanted to say thank you for everything you do. I want to start streaming and covering shows similar to you and Jesse. And I look up to you as an inspiration mentor. Keep up the phenomenal work. OTS for life. 
Rush. I appreciate that, brother. Thank you so much, man. So you're going to start streaming, man. Just be yourself. Create an environment that is welcoming. Create an environment that caters to you and, you know, like I said, is welcoming to the viewer. And always be yourself. The best advice I could give you. Also, with the 199 Super Chat, he says, I hope to God we see Gargano versus AJ. And then he says, cool, but weird fact, I live in the same town as Edge and FTR and have yet to meet any of them. Just my luck, I guess. Well, don't go looking for them, bro. Then it's never going to happen. And if you do see them out in public or out in the wild, be very respectful. Demarcus Vaughn with a $5 Super Chat. Dexter Loomis could be the next Stone Cold if Triple H played his cards right. Nobody's going to be the next Stone Cold, bro. But Dexter Loomis has a lot of Randy Orton qualities to him, a lot of Undertaker qualities to him. He's very methodical. His offense is explosive. And he's got some damn good in-ring ability, man. I'm excited to see him back. Eric Martinez with a $2 Super Chat. Mr. JD, Jesse is drinking on the job. I'm not surprised. I am not surprised. Jesse is a degenerate. Joseph Taylor, JD, my Red Sox versus your Braves star. I don't give a fuck about the Braves, man. Fuck them. Until they start winning, I don't want to talk about them. And Adam Johnston with a $5 Super Chat. Great stuff as usual. Enjoying what Triple H is doing. Looking forward to the road to WrestleMania and the possibilities with Triple H booking. Bro, the road to WrestleMania is a long way off, man. Let's get through Clash of the Castle, which is already shaping up to be a great show. And let's start rebuilding the Survivor Series. That's something that I'm excited about. Guys, that's all I got for you, man. I guess you guys didn't want to hang out tonight. Mike NY with a $2 Super Chat. I think KO is going to be built up as a dominant heel. I think KO is best served with Sami Zayn in a tag team going after the Usos. Sami Zayn is going to be betrayed by the bloodline. Kevin Owens is going to go over there and say, listen, bro, what are you doing? I told you that they don't give a shit about you. They want him to hold his weight. So he's going to go and get Kevin Owens on his side, and they're going to get a tag team title match against the Usos at Clash of the Castle. There is nobody else for them. There's nobody else for the Usos. And Jam Lucci with a Canadian $5 Super Chat. Last week, Bronson Reed beat Okada clean in the G1 and cut a great promo about being let go one year ago. He really was going to be a player in WWE. Bro, Bronson Reed will be back when the time is right. Bronson Reed, I can sit here and confidently say that Bronson Reed being released broke Triple H's heart. Bronson Reed being released broke Triple H's heart. He put so much into building Bronson Reed up. And I think he'll be back eventually. Guys, I'll be back live tomorrow night, NXT. We'll see if there are any new changes to NXT after a uh, last week. There was none. So I'll be live tomorrow night for NXT. Hit that thumbs up. Thank you for the super chats. Thank you for the memberships. Continue to hit that subscribe button down below. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. 
Go check out my sponsor, Blue Chew, as well. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout for your free sample. And, and as I finish my cold beverage, guys, I need two things for me. Number one, I need those guitar emojis in the chats right now. And I need that music on max. I will be back live tomorrow night with NXT right here on OTS. Guys, thank you for a great evening. Have a good night. Have a good Tuesday. And I'll see you live tomorrow night for NXT.